Even my husband's got a lot to say. He's always on the other side. <laughs> All right. So, um, we have any Monty Python fans here? Anybody like Monty Python? Well, um, there's a slightly dark but hilarious scene in Monty Python, which involves the Black Knight. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Black Knight, but the Black Knight is a guy who is sitting, who is standing on a bridge, and he is guarding a bridge for no apparent reason. I feel like we've still got lots of talking going on. Good morning! I'm going to get all your attention. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Maybe they're outside. All right. Um, all right, so anyway, the Black Knight. So the Black Knight, you know, the scene of the Black Knight is where he's, he's guarding this bridge for no apparent reason at all. Um, but he won't, and, and King Arthur comes along, and he says, you know, let me pass. And King Arthur, or the, the Black Knight says, no one shall pass. And so they begin to duel. And so they're fighting, and they're clashing swords and dancing around, and, and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And finally, King Arthur cuts off the Black Knight's arm, okay? And in a very, like, fake and hilarious way, the arm kind of plops to the ground, you know, blood spurts out, whatever. And uh, we do have a picture. Where's my picture? Oh, there we go. Okay, there's a Black Knight. So he's there. He cuts off his arm. And so, of course, you know, the King Arthur thinks that we're done. And, you know, the Black Knight says, you know, what, what is that? It's just a scratch. Nothing's happened. Nothing's wrong. And so he keeps fighting. And meanwhile, he's trash-talking King Arthur, and, you know, just, they're just going on. And so King Arthur's like, okay, so they keep fighting, keep fighting, and keep fighting. And then, of course, King Arthur cuts off his other arm. Now, at this point, he figures the, the battle's over, and so King Arthur kneels down and says, thank you, Lord, for helping me win this battle, whatever. And the Black Knight, unbelievably, comes up and starts kicking him. No arms, mind you, right? So he's kicking him, you know, and... and beating on him and trash talking him, get on up. And, you know, King Arthur stands up and he's, you know, he's amazed by this. He says, you know, sir, you have no arms. And the guy looks down and he goes, what? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And then he says, well, it's, it's, it's nothing but a flesh wound. And so then he keeps fighting. He keeps kicking him, keeps banging into him. And King Arthur just can't believe this, but they keep fighting. And you know where this is going. He cuts off one leg and then the other leg. And, you know, the, the Black Knight never admits defeat. He says, I'm invincible. The Black Knight always triumphs, and he's, you know, there, and, and he's like, there's nothing wrong, it's just a flesh wound, there's nothing wrong, and yet he's shouting and, and shouting after him as King Arthur just rides away. He says, let's call it a draw, and he just drives away. <laughs> and, you know, it's pretty funny if you like that sort of thing. You have to be a Monty Python fan, but... Um, What's kind of interesting to me is it's kind of an interesting commentary on a person, you can take that down now, on, uh, you know, a person who might be completely unself-aware of what is happening to him. He keeps saying, no, it's fine, there's nothing, it's just a scratch, it's just a flesh wound, I'm just fine. And meanwhile, you know, all of his limbs are coming off. Some of us don't see the gaping holes in our own life. And, you know, it's, we certainly know people like that, right? Know people that to everyone else, it's obvious that there's some things missing, that there's some wounds, that there's some sorrows or some, some trials that they just don't, aren't recognizing, aren't facing, and so they kind of just go on, everything's fine, everything's fine. And we're capable of doing that too, aren't we? We just pretend that everything is good. We just keep going. There's so much within us that doesn't want to concede any kind of weakness. I'm invincible. We always triumph, and so we'd like to convince ourselves of that. And so today, I want to just take that apart a little bit today. We're going to be talking about how to be whole. Not be full of holes, but to be whole 
in body, mind, and spirit, because this is what God has for us. Now, if you are just joining us today, you're, we are third week into our series on our vision and distinctives as a church, and so we are talking about who are we as Gate City Vineyard? What, do we, what are we shooting for? How we, who are we trying to be? And so start, we'll start out by just reminding ourselves of the vision, okay? We're, we're hoping to get this kind of memorized, right? So you can tell someone, what's your church like? And you could actually say this. So let's go ahead and read it out loud. It should be up there. There we go. Gate City Vineyard, here we go. Gate City Vineyard is a welcoming, come-as-you-are community of Jesus followers who seek to spread the love of God wherever they go and invite others to experience that love for themselves. This is what we want to be as a church. This is who we want to be. Um, and then we have continued to talk about our distinctives. So this is kind of the vision. If you haven't gotten the sheet yet, there's a sheet on the table over there with our whole vision and distinctives on it. You're welcome to look at that. There's also a question card if you have any questions about any of this. Uh, would have, be happy to take that. But the distinctives on the, on the back are really about how do we take this vision and, distinct, and put it together here at Gate City Vineyard. What makes us different from any other church? Why would you pick this church out of the hundreds of other churches here in, in Greensboro? What is it that makes us different? And I do think, as I've said before, that we, we do have some, some things that set us apart that make us distinctive from other churches. As a vineyard church, as a church who seeks integration of our life with, with our, our physical world and our, our spiritual world. And so there's so much we're talking about here, and that's what the distinctives are. So if you've missed the first couple and you're trying to figure out, is this the church for you is a great way to kind of find out um, who we are. But today, we're going to go into the second distinctive, which is that we care for the whole person. We care for the whole person. You know, too often, as a church, we can think that we're only all about the spiritual, that it's just about growing people spiritually, um, and that's certainly a very important part of church life. But if you may remember, back in April, we did a series, it was called Resilient Faith, and we talked there in Resilient Faith about how to have a healthy soul so that our souls were strong and resilient in the face of everything going on in life around us. And, and what we talked about, the soul, if you look at what the soul is, is that it's the integration of all that makes up you. You're not one-dimensional. You are many-dimensional, and your soul is your, is your spirit. It's your relationship with God and how your spirit responds to him, but it's also your emotions. It's your will. It's your heart. It's your mind and how you think. It's all of who you are. In addition, it's affected as well by your physical body as well. It's all connected. And so in the same way, we want to care not only for our own souls, but our, our, us as a whole person. It's, the same, it's really the same message. That's why we did that whole series, because that's important to us, to care for the whole person, the whole soul. So let's just talk about what is a person. Let's have our theology of personhood, okay? What are you? Are you just a bunch of cells pulled together that happen to form into some, a girl or a boy? You know, who are our people? And let's go to the scriptures for that. Scripture is pretty clear about that. Um, and our distinctive states, each person is wonderfully made in the image of God and reflects him in body, mind, and spirit wonderfully made in the image of God and reflects him in body, mind, and spirit. Let's look at Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully. Someone say fearfully and wonderfully. Fearfully and wonderfully. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's who you are. And in Genesis 1.27, it says, For God created mankind and in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them in his image. 
So we were carefully crafted by God in our mother's womb, made by him, and also crafted in his image. He made, he made us to be like him. And at the same time, we're also greatly loved by him because he created us not just to go around and be, be um, you know, automatons or, or slaves or anything. He, he created us to be in relationship with him. He wanted to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wants us to walk in the garden with you. He wants us to be friends. Jesus calls us friends. We, we sang about what a friend we have in Jesus. So he wants to be in relationships with, with you because he loves you. And there are countless scriptures about that. I'll just give you one right now at Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the what? Love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So hear this church, every one of you. You are precious. You are precious to him. You bear the image of God, male and female. You're fully known by him and have been since the moment of your conception in your mother's womb. And you will always and forever be greatly loved by God. I want to say that again. I think there's even a, a screen about that. Let's make sure we get that up there. I want you to see it. Nope. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yep, keep going. Keep going. Just forward. Yep. Keep going. One more, I think. Nope. Huh. That's strange. We're going backwards. Yeah, go forward. <laughs> it should start with you are precious. Because I want you to see it. You know I have it? Should be forward from that. Keep going down. Keep going down. There we go. All right, I want you to just absorb this for a minute. You are precious. You are precious. You bear the image of God, male and female. He doesn't love the boys better or the girls better. He loves you both. You're fully known by him and have been since you were conceived in your mother's womb from the moment of your first existence. You've been loved by him. And you will always and forever be greatly loved by God. Somebody say amen. Amen, this is true of you. We need to remember this. And so no wonder God cares about your whole person. The entire rest of this distinctive all flows from this fact that you're made in his image and that he, he knows you and he formed you and he loves you and wants to be in relationship with you and it informs everything we do, how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people and how we serve as a community and how we love other people. So I just want to say to you this morning that if you don't really know where you are in your faith journey, if you're not sure any of this is true, you don't know if Jesus really is the Son of God or God even exists at all, if you're just not sure if we're all making this up, that you are still God's beloved. And if you are struggling with addictions and struggling to get through life and just and, and so weighed down by the things of the world and it seems like life has passed you by and you just don't know even what the purpose of life is, you are still beloved of God. And if you don't know who you are, you're not even sure what your gender is or your, 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 uh, your preferences or you don't know who you are, where you're supposed to go, God, you are still beloved of God. And if you have made every bad decision in the book and if you've messed up everything and you're still working off all the results of all your bad decisions or you're full of pride or you're wounded by traumas, you know what? You are still beloved of God. It never, ever changes. It never changes. That song, it says... 
I will never be more loved than I am right now. So interesting. You'll never be more loved than you are right now because God loves you so fully. You are his beloved. And that's all we need to know. That's all you need to know for yourself, for your, for your own self-worth and image and what God's got for you. And it's all you need to know when it comes to who are we meant to be as a church because we're meant to love others because they are so deeply loved by God. Who are we to do anything less than to love one another? Amen? And so this leads us so clearly to the rest of the statement, which is that all of us can come to him just as we are in our brokenness and weakness, and he is able to bring restoration and healing in individual lives and communities. The church is not meant to be a museum of perfect specimens. <laughs> Hallelujah. The church is meant to be a hospital of wounded souls and seeking sinners in which we all together come together and seek Jesus for his healing and his salvation and his life. That's what we're meant to do. So there's hope here and there's refuge here. And every one of us comes somewhat damaged from all kinds of things that we've experienced in life, from original sin all the way to all the other sins that other people and we have done and all that life brings on us. We all come a little bit damaged, a little bit broken in some way, shape, or form. And this is how we come together. We find that healing in Jesus and we find it in community as we together come to Jesus. I want to tell you a little story about when I was younger. So I know this might be hard to believe, but um, when I was younger, I kind of had it all together. <laughs> That's really good. I mean, I had no problems. It's really put together. Um, when other people, and this is true, when other people would say, oh, I come to Jesus because of my brokenness and my guilt and my shame, I'd be like, oh, good for you, but I didn't feel that at all. Okay, I got no brokenness. I got no shame. I'm good. And, you know, the reality was I was lucky to have a pretty healthy upbringing, and I had a decent time in school. I married a pretty good guy. So, you know, things were good. That is, until I had three boys, which in and of itself is not a bad thing. But I had three boys who started to grow up and become more and more challenging. I had a lot going on. I was in a lot of different ministries, or a lot of pressures and expectations going on. And then as you get older, you will find it, you know, and you, many of you know, life gets more complicated, lots of things with families and work and all kinds of things. So all these things were getting more and more complicated and stressful, and I didn't quite know how to handle it all. And it was getting the kids were, having three is a problem because you can't keep track of all three. You can only hold on to two. <laughs> it's a strategic mistake to go to three because there was always one loose. <laughs> It's created a lot of stress in my life. I didn't like a loose one. So, you know, so, so stressed out. And so that I finally, one day was driving my car, and I had this moment where I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going and who I was supposed to pick up. My mind was both blank and buzzing at the same time. Anyone ever had that where it goes blank, but it's bzzz, like bees, right? I couldn't even think straight. My mouth was getting so dry because I kept like work in my mouth because I was all stressed out and, and uh, tense, so my mouth was all dry, and I started to feel like this, this hot lava going through my body, a panic. Many of you may recognize that as an ordinary panic attack, but I had never experienced anything like that. I was like, what is happening? These things don't happen to me, see. <laughs> they happen to other people who are all that broken people, but not to me. I don't have panic attacks problems. I can handle things. And I, you know, after putting this together, I think, I think of the, that, the, the black knight, right? I'm good. I'm invincible. He's got no legs and no arms and he's bleeding out, but I'm invincible. And I was still feeling that. And so I realized that I had to finally face my own brokenness. See, it comes to us all, people. 
Some of us, we may take a long time to get there, but it comes to us all to face the reality that every one of us needs Jesus. And so I did go through a period of, of counseling and of therapy and of prayers for people and having to face a lot of stuff and face who I was, and I kind of came through into a new reality in which Beth was no longer in control and Beth was no longer perfect. Do you understand? Um, I had to realize that God's the one in control and God's the one who's perfect and that I need him. I need him. Oh, how hard that was to admit. Strange now because we say it all the time, but at the time was like how I need him every hour. I used to, I had to every, almost every minute of the day just lean on him and be like, Jesus, help me through the day. Help me with these little kids. Help me with everything. Every minute, every hour. Anybody remember that old hymn? Oh, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Somebody knew what they were talking about when they wrote that song. <laughs> so that's the beginning of health and wholeness, to realize that in all things we need Jesus and that we need him individually and we need him in the body, the community of believers, so that together we go to him, together we find healing and rest. And so I want to talk about these three areas. We, we say, and if, you, if you're following along on the distinctives, the next kind of line is that we minister to the physical, mental, and spiritual needs of others in Jesus' name. We serve with a posture of humility, recognizing that we are each equally in need of God's grace, mercy, and healing. So it's from that point of humility that we realize we need to minister physical, mental, and spiritual help and care to each one. And so I'm going to talk about each of these for a little bit. We're going to start with physical needs. God cares for the physical needs of his people, and he cares for the physical needs of everybody out there. And I just want to praise y'all for a second, because in the past six months, people in this church have helped a refugee family move into a house, get a job, and find a car. They have helped repair someone's car that was too expensive to repair, and they spent a whole day repairing the car. People in this church have fed countless families with the food that we serve through the grocery giveaway every Wednesday. People in this church, as we just saw, gave 160 backpacks to help people in our community have backpacks for kids for school. People in this church have helped people with a medical bill that was too much for them to pay. They've brought food to people who were sick or coming out of the hospital. They've given people rides to church and other events so they could participate, gone out of their way, and contributed money so someone out of work could make ends meet. This is all from you. This is what the body of Christ is meant to do, is to help one another, to serve one another. And I know the list could go on and on, and I want it to keep going on and on. Let's be people who give generously of time and money and whatever we have to help people in their physical needs. That's showing the love of Jesus. But God also cares for your physical health needs. We've got a lot of health needs these days, don't we? And God cares about that. I want to just point out that God is called Jehovah Rapha in, in Exodus 15, 26. He's the God who heals. And do you know that word Rapha, when it's used in the Old Testament, is usually used for an ordinary doctor, a physician. So God is our great physician. He's the first doctor. He knows all the medical stuff. And so our distinctive states, we pray and believe that God can supernaturally heal. I hope that any time you get sick, 
or you break something, or you're going into the hospital, or having surgery, anytime you get COVID, or anytime you get in something else, or you're not sleeping well, or you're having aches and pains, whatever that is, I hope that the first thing you do is bring it to Jesus, and that you bring it to Jesus, and you pray, and that you also tell others, you come forward, come forward for prayer, ask somebody who sits next to you, and say, I need prayer for this physical ailment, and let us pray out to Jehovah Rapha for you, because he is a God who supernaturally heals. He does that. And so you can come forward to pray. You can, you can send prayer requests into the office and we will put them out on the prayer chain and you'll have 20 people praying for you in like in minutes. Let's not keep our illnesses a secret. I don't know why we do that. That we don't tell anybody, oh no. And then I find out, you know, four weeks later, I, you know, they were you know, in the hospital and out already. I'm like, what? Why did we not get the privilege of praying for you? I want to be able to pray for you. This is what the body of Christ is meant to do. It's not just a nice thing, not just because we're nice people, it's because we believe that God heals. It works. Something important happens when we pray for one another, so please let's do it. And if you get healed, God heals you because someone prayed for you, would you please tell us also? Because, man, we need to hear that. We need our faith built to hear that God is heal, a healer, and I know he's done it. So don't keep that a secret either. Let's get it out. Tell me, tell someone, and we'll make sure that our, our faith is built through that. I also love that we have added to this line, in addition to this line, that we believe that God can supernaturally heal, but we added, but we also encourage the use of all medical and mental health care available, considering them a gift from God to us. God has gifted some people with really smart brains, okay, probably smarter than most of our brains in here, who can figure out genetics and medicine, and, and I have, we have a friend up north who's, who's making chips that then are used to come up with cures for diseases. I mean, it's like his bra their brains are so smart, they come up with this stuff so that we can use it and feel better when we're sick. Hallelujah. I'm glad someone came up with Advil. I'm glad someone came up with Tylenol. I'm glad someone came up with the polio vaccine. And, I, you know, thank God for our modern medicine that we can go to. It is a gift from God to us. And sometimes I think churches especially charismatic churches that believe that God supernaturally heals, will sometimes make you feel a little less than if you go to that, like, doctor, because you should just believe, right? You should just believe that God's going to heal you by faith. And I just want you to know that we don't believe the Bible teaches us at all, that we are naturally supernatural, that God can move when he wants to move. He can supernaturally heal, but we also use the natural means that he gives us as well to be healed. Even in the Bible, you know, Paul tells Timothy, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. He's prescribing him a little wine, okay? Woo! All right, the Apostle Paul. Everyone says he's a killjoy. I don't think so. God can heal you through medicine. He can heal you through prayer. Often it's usually through both. We don't have to try to drum up enough faith to get healed. We just let God do what he wants to do. We, we come up for prayer. We don't go the other way, that all we do is the doctor, we never ask anybody to pray. That's, that's crazy too, because sometimes there's limits to what the doctors can do, right? So we, we pray and we go to the doctors. This is a vineyard distinctive, naturally supernatural. So that's caring for the physical needs. God cares for your physical needs, for your health needs. If you're sick here today, please come up and get prayer. The second part of seeking wholeness is caring for our mental and emotional needs, and I'm really glad that I have this little opportunity to talk about mental health, 
Because mental health is such an important issue, even out in the world today, right? We are recognizing that so much of what's going on, the violence and the instability that's out there is due often to mental health issues that are underlying that nobody recognized, that nobody would face. And so this is, you know, there's of course the stereotypical brooding teenager that everyone thought was a little odd but never paid any attention to and then turns violent. That's one example of a mental health issue, but there are so many others. There are so many kids that go out of high school and they look like they got it all together and they're really good and they're straight A students and they get to college and then we find out sophomore year they're trying to commit suicide because they're, they're depressed and nobody ever knew. Parents never knew. There are thousands upon thousands of anxious and depressed young adults. It is an epidemic. I just remember when my boys were in college and it was like almost every one of their friends, especially the girls, I don't know why it was hitting the girls more than the guys, but some guys as well, but almost all of them were on some kind of medication for anxiety. That's how prevalent it was. Just so common in that young uh, age. And it's also very common as we get into middle age and older age to, to suffer with anxiety and fears. It just builds up. It's a mental health issue. I don't think I have to tell you that the amount of porn use in the world today is astounding. Just got you a couple fun statistics. One study said that 57% of young adults seek out porn at least once a month. 57%. 45% of all men seek it out once a month. 41% of young males who are practicing Christians seek it out at least once a month. So this is an epidemic. And it's a mental health issue. Yes, it's a behavior, but it's, a, it's, it's coming out of a mental health. And it's actually, porn is one of those things that is, in to some extent, causing a mental health issue, but then it also creates more mental health issues. And of course, there's all the other mental health issues and struggles that have been around since the beginning of time and have always been there. They have not gone away. In some cases, have gone up. I'll just list for you a few alcoholism and drug abuse, eating disorders, panic attacks, all kinds of abusiveness, narcissism, suicidal thoughts, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, personality disorder, gambling addiction, post-traumatic stress. I could go on and on and on. We're naive indeed if we don't think that's affecting this body and people here in this room. I want to take a minute and just take away the stigma of mental health and mental issues, mental health issues in this church, in this body. Okay? I want to take away the stigma that is somehow makes you less. We have a phrase that says, come as you are. You know what come as you are means? It means come as you are right now, wherever you are. And I just know that there are people here in this room who are suffering with mental health issues and either will not admit it to themselves or anyone else or refusing to get treatment. No, 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 we're fine. It doesn't happen in our family. Or they know it's there, but they're not telling anybody and they're keeping it secret from families or friends and by God, of course, from the church. I don't want church people to know because we're all happy, right? We all come in here, we're ready to praise. So, you know, how can I share that in this group? All of this hiddenness creates shame. And it creates a ripe environment for Satan to just get right in there and to do all kinds of damage in our families and in our churches. And I just want to say, enough. Okay? No more shame. If you're struggling with any of those mental health issues, some of them that you don't even know the name of, but you think, I think I might have that one. You know what? No shame. No shame. Because we're all broken and in need of a savior, okay? We're here to love each other and care for each other. 
And you know, all this hiding what's going on also perpetuates this false idea that I think some people have that church people have it all together. That you have to come in with your church best. At least, you know, this group doesn't feel the need to dress up. But, you know. <laughs> but we still have the sense that we should have it all together if we know Jesus, right? Especially the longer you've been to know Jesus, the more we should have it together, right? But that's not always the case. Sometimes it takes a long time with Jesus before we can actually face the troubles we have. Anybody recognize that? I know so many friends who are in their 50s and 60s who are just now facing their mental health struggles that have affected their whole life. Praise God. See, God doesn't give up on us. It's never too late. It's never too late. But I've had people say to me, I can't come to church because, you know, all those church people got it all together. And I'm always like, what church people have it all together? I don't know any church people that have it all together. Can we stop hiding? Can we be honest with our own self first? and then with one another about where we're struggling so that we can pray together to Jehovah Rapha for healing and for health and we can support you in your, in your treatment and your moving forward in your healing of whatever you're going through. I love what the Mayo Clinic describes mental illness. There's a little description on their website and it says this, mental illness, also called mental health disorders, refers to a wide range of mental health concerns. Disorders that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. Many people have mental health concerns from time to time. But a mental health concern becomes a mental illness when ongoing signs and symptoms cause frequent stress and affect your ability to function. A mental illness can make you miserable and can cause problems in your daily life, such as school or work or relationships. In most cases, Symptoms can be managed with a combination of medications and talk therapy. Mental illness is common. About one in five adults has a mental illness in any given year. The effects of mental illness can be temporary or long-lasting. And I don't know, I just love how matter-of-fact this is. Um, first of all, it says it's common. One in five adults, y'all. Look around, there's more than five adults here. So one in five of us is going to be struggling with a mental health issue this year. Just think about that when you're praying for our church and, and talking to each other, listening, reading between the lines. How are you really doing? Um, so it's all around us. And I love, though, it says it can be temporary or long-lasting. Just because you're going through something right now doesn't mean you're going to be going through it forever. And I love that it says your symptoms can be managed. It's like any other health problem, like if you've got diabetes or Crohn's disease or something, you'd say, let's go get some treatment. Let's manage this thing. And maybe I've got to change what I eat or I've got to change up some things, but, but God can, can use those doctors to help me get better. And I want to just give you that hope today. I want to give you that hope today that you can be better, you can get better, and God can work in your heart. So let's just stop making mental illness something it's not. Let's stop making it something shameful or embarrassing. Um, let's just be more open about that. I want to make one more thing really clear that we sometimes get confused in church when it comes to mental illness that mental illness is not spiritual weakness or demonic possession, okay? That if you had more faith or you got more deliverance or we could just get the devil out or we got the right person to pray for you, then it would all go away, okay? That's not true. Now, mental illness often is coupled with a spiritual oppression of some kind. Part of that is because some of the things that cause the mental illness or at least exacerbate it, abuses and traumas and so on, also create a really nice opening for the Satan to get in and do some work. So sometimes many of us will need both. We'll need psychiatric help and also prayer, sometimes deliverance. But mental illness is a disease. can't be ignored. 
and you can't ignore it like you can't ignore if you got diabetes or cancer. So I'm just begging you today, don't ignore what you're going through, don't hide it. Come to someone, let them know. If there's someone in your family going through something, confide it in someone you can trust so that you have support as you're going through it. I want to just um, read a couple scriptures about how God cares about your mental health, and he wants you to be mentally healthy and whole. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Psalm 42.11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I want you to hope in God today that he can deliver you, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And Jeremiah 20, 11, 29, 11, God has good plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. There's hope. There's no shame here. May this be a safe place for anyone suffering, struggling, any of us, any of us old-timers, any of us newcomers. This is a safe place for us to, to help one another. I would just give you three kind of ways that we can address it. Well, if we find that we are struggling with a mental health issue or emotional issue, start right away to get involved in healthy community. What you're doing today is a perfect, perfect first step. Be in church, be with people, don't get isolated. won't solve all your problems, but it'll help you have support for when you do face what you're going through. Get some trusted people in the church to start praying for you. Come up front, get some prayer. It's confidential, but get people praying for you. Come into my office, I'll pray for you. Let's, let's get some people that are praying and seeking and asking Jehovah Rapha to do his healing work. And then finally, and importantly, take concrete steps to deal with your mental health, whether it's going to AA or Al-Anon or getting counseling or finding a psychiatrist, whatever it is, we can help you with resources. We don't have um, therapists on staff here, but we can help you find the resources you need. Amen? Amen. Okay, finally, we care for spiritual needs. We care for the, God cares for our physical needs, our mental and emotional needs, and now our spiritual needs. This, you know, should be the most obvious, perhaps, and they're all connected, really, physical, mental, spiritual. It's all connected. But remember this, the, the, what I said last week, the best of what we offer is Jesus. You can be whole in body and in mind, but if we don't know Jesus, we're still lost, right? So one of the main goals of the church is to introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross for us, and how to walk in a relationship with him, and know his love, and, and, and know what he says. And so that's one of the main things we do. I want to just read to you now this last bit of the distinctive that's on the sheet. It leads me to this, that we recognize that each person must come to understand the gospel personally. Sometimes questioning how it's been taught, we welcome this process, believing that God's word is true, and we can trust him to bring us to a deeper faith as we bring our questions before him. We love to walk with people as they take this spiritual journey. Everyone in this place is on a spiritual journey. We cannot assume that everyone who comes in gets it all, gets why we even believe this, gets why we do church this way with me talking for 30 minutes. Why do we do that? You know, there all, there's all kinds of things we do that are church but are not part of what we must do as Christians, that we are asking people to come to Jesus, not come to, to us, or our way of doing things, but to come to Jesus. And so this, this is all, you know, the word that I'm not saying, that really this is talking about is deconstruction. And I know that word is a little bit of a hard word for some people, because you've known people who are deconstructing their faith so far that they're walking away from the faith, right? They're deciding, oh, the Bible must not be true, Jesus must not be the Son of God, and so they're walking away from that. But I really think deconstruction can be a much more healthy thing. It can be a process of looking at what does the, what does the Scripture really say about Jesus and how do I follow him now in this context, in my world, and it might be different for, for 
us, depending on our age and our demographic and where we're, who we're hanging out with. Um, it's, I love the way that, um, that David French talks about this. He does, writes a few things on deconstruction, and this is one, one of the things he said that I really like. At its best, deconstruction can represent an honest, critical reexamination of not just your personal faith, but also the theology and behavior of your faith community. We should be in a constant process of interrogating our own beliefs and actions in light of the person and example of Jesus Christ. So we should never be afraid of people questioning. Um, I was thinking about this. If any of you, now you have to be of a certain age to relate to this, um, but if any of you were a part of the worship wars of the 80s and 90s, when we were converting from you know, hymns and a choir to contemporary music, you were part of deconstruction. That was deconstruction. Because there was an assumption that you could only worship with hymns, right? And a choir and a formal and classical type of thing. And then there was all these young people coming along who wanted to worship to rock music. What's that all about? Um, it was very radical at the time. I know it's hard for y'all to, to believe, but it was very radical at the time. And hard, hard for people who were used to worship a certain way to come to. I know, you, I know where y'all ended up because you're here at a vineyard church. And we're, we got rock music. We got a drum set. So I know nobody's arguing at that point, but with, that was because of a deconstruction, of a deconstruction of the way we worship. What, what, and, and so those folks who were older folks who loved their hymns, and there's nothing wrong with that, they had to adjust. They had to adjust and, and figure out how to worship to a praise chorus, whatever that was. Um, so I think it's just important for us as a church to recognize that it's good for people to question. It's good for people to wrestle. Um, each person has to come to understand the gospel personally. There's no spiritual grandchildren. I remind us who are older and have older children, adult children, that your children have to go through this process. Just because they came to VBS and Bible school and all that stuff doesn't mean they're going to believe it the way you believed it or want to do that in the same way for their kids. We pray that they come to know Jesus for their salvation. That's the important part. And that they begin to make disciples of others. But it could look very, very different for them than it does for us. So let's let people go through that process. Let's let people wrestle so that they come to spiritual wholeness, to spiritual wholeness. We want every person to come to spiritual wholeness. So, so let me just wrap this all up and remind us that the, when we talk about the whole person, we care for the whole person, what we are doing is we are, we are praying that we could be a place where people could become fully formed disciples of Jesus. That's the goal, right? And to be fully formed, it means in, in mind and body and spirit, wholeness. And so it's all through Jesus. I was thinking that this morning as we were praying about the chains falling off. And I, I, I had a question that was in my brain about, well, how do we, how did the chains come off? And it's simply that we come to Jesus, okay? You don't have to rip the chains off, all right? You just got to be willing to open up your heart to Jesus. And you know what? Some of the chains falling off might be that you're going to need to get some counseling, <laughs> God might have to use that to get the chains to fall off. So some of it could happen supernaturally in a moment, and some of it could happen over a few years of some work, okay? It's okay. God can choose the way he wants to work, but he's the one that takes off the chains. So we just come to him. We just come to him. All of this is pointing to Jesus. We don't have to fix people. That's the good news. We don't have to fix each other. We've got to love each other and pray for each other and support each other as we go on this journey together to wholeness in mind and body and spirit. Everyone is welcome here. No one is invisible. You are all part of the body of Christ, loved 
deeply loved by him, created in his image. And we're here just to walk this together. Let's be honest about where we are today. We're going to go into communion in a few minutes, and this is a beautiful opportunity to kind of continue what we started in worship, which was, Lord, I, I want, I'm praying that I could come to you fully, holy. And so I want us to just take a moment, just silence, invite the musicians to come up. And I want to ask to just take a moment and let the Lord search your heart. Are there holes? Are there places in our minds, our bodies, our spirits that need Jesus, that need healing? Another word that came this morning was that we've got holes in our net, and if we want to catch any fish when we put the net on the other side, we've got to get the holes filled up first. <laughs> Otherwise, the fish will fall out. So I just am praying this morning for anyone with holes in their net, struggling mentally, emotionally, physically. Let's come with our whole self to Jesus. Let's face our fears, face our brokenness. Let's stop hiding. I'm just going to take a moment of silence here. As we get ready to go into communion, I want to invite people who are sensing the Lord working on their lives or sensing those chains falling off, the need for the chains to fall off, that this is again a place of, of healing. You can come up to the altar, you can come pray, you can come just sit on the, on the, on the rug. I'm going to invite our communion servers and our prayer team to come on up and be ready. But I want us to take a few more minutes and, and just don't feel like you've got to rush up to the line. Take some moments to, to ask the Lord to do a healing. It's amazing that we are celebrating the communion as we talk about brokenness because of what God has done for us is the only way that we can be healed. Yeah, and I, I just sense that as we're partaking of communion, we are reflecting on the broken body and the blood of Jesus. And we all know what the scriptures say, that it's by his wounding that we are healed. His wounding is our heal healing. And I just really sense that in this time as we're partaking of communion, that the Lord is going to be releasing his healing presence over our minds and I don't want this just to be another thing that we do because we do it on the first Sunday of every month. But I really sense that there's healing that's going to take place as we are doing this in faith. Not just as a religious act. 
but as we are partnering our faith with the reality of what Jesus accomplished on behalf of all of us in his broken body and blood. So I just sense that as you're doing it, just the Lord is going to, I feel like, heal. He's just, we've been talking about this mental healing. I just see the Lord doing that as we're partaking today. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. We'll take another moment just to let God speak to us. Just reminded by another word that when we talk about being broken, it doesn't mean that you're you're trash, that you need to be thrown out like a broken plate. But that God is the healer, He puts us back together. So this morning, as you are coming to Jesus, know that all those broken pieces, He can take care of it. He can take care of it. Well, what a great morning. Thank you for coming. It was really cool to see God moving through a number of words that came this morning from a few people that came to me. So yeah, just want you to know that what Jesus does sometimes. He speaks to us, not just through me, through Charles, but God begins to speak through each one of us. This is one of the things that we believe as a Vineyard Church, and we welcome it. So, so glad about that. I want to just remind people to go ahead and sign up for Life Group Leading Alpha. And I also, is there a production team meeting today? Yeah, production team. So there's a production team meeting today right after church right here, right? Yep. Right right here. here. If you are interested in helping with production, we could certainly use more hands back there for for, um, slides and um, live stream. It's not hard. We can teach you. But if you have any at all technical inclination or enjoy doing that sort of thing, just come, right? Just show up. Yeah, there's lunch. Yeah, because he's going to do some training and there's lunch. So, you know, if we have more people than we need, then, you know, Charles and I will give up our lunch um, and you guys can eat. So, yeah. Please feel free to come. We always could uh, use some more help back there. So I just uh, thank you for that. Let me just pray for you. Oh, Holy Holy Father, blessed Jesus, Holy Spirit, we call upon you to make us whole, Lord, in mind and in body and in spirit. And we know that you are the one who can do it. And so we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Amen.